Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Scottsdale Stadium and Arizona Spring Training. It's the Cleveland Guardians 10, the San Francisco Giants 2. That's at least the latest game to be played in a streak of games, spring training games played throughout the week since the last time we sat down and talked. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And of course, it is spring training, so we're going to be talking about how guys are looking, you know, looking ahead to the season, signings, all sorts of things, all sorts of baseball news. And it's been an interesting week for the Cleveland Guardians as... You know, the last few remaining free agents tick off the board. Trevor Story goes to Boston. I think as time of recording this, Conforto is still out there. Um, But the free agent market is drying up, and the Guardians are sticking to their guns here. They're sticking to their youth movement, as they're calling it. And Chernoff, in an interview, basically doubled down what we talked about last week with Antonetti, that they don't want to sign someone that would take opportunity away from one of these young players. They're doubling down on that. That is clearly the company line. So we're going to keep, we're going to roll with it. I mean, we're stuck. Look, I am just like you. I would love to see this team bring in some incredibly talented players and take a run at the Central Division every year, stay super competitive, spend money with the way teams are spending money. I hear you, but I also want to enjoy baseball. I want to go back to a time when I didn't have Twitter, when we didn't have 24-hour news networks that were obsessed with covering everything about the sports we love. I want to go back to a time where I just enjoyed watching baseball being played. And back then, whoever the Cleveland Indians ran out on the field, that's who I was invested in. And so, you know, I take a little bit of that into this podcast, and believe me, I hear the anger on Twitter. I feel it, too. I feel it, too. There were some, definitely, there's some guys this offseason that were gettable by the Guardians. They could have improved this outfield. They could have improved this roster. They didn't. So I'm going to get invested in some of these young guys. And in fact, in this episode, we're going to talk about two of those young outfielders. We're going to get to meet some of those young outfielders that might break camp with the Guardians, that might be here opening day. Steven Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez. We're going to do a little bit of a prospect profile on both these guys because I think they're very key to this season and the Guardians moving forward. The thing that's indefensible as far as ownership in the front office goes, is the Bradley Zimmer of it all and the Oscar Mercado of it all. Those guys are getting a real opportunity here in spring training. Oscar Mercado is doing okay with it. Frankly, Bradley Zimmer has been the worst hitter in the Cleveland lineup for the start of spring so far, for the first half of spring training. It's been bad. He leads the team in strikeouts with eight strikeouts. He's got, let's see here, one walk, eight strikeouts. He does have two hits and two RBIs. He has two singles, two RBIs, and a run scored. He's batting 167 with a 398 OPS from Bradley Zimmer right now. I am perfectly fine if we get to the end of this spring, if we get to the last week of spring, and they cut Bradley Zimmer. I'm okay cutting that cord. If it creates opportunity for Quan or Oscar Gonzalez, 
on that opening day roster. They've got to make room on the 40 if they're going to keep Oscar Gonzalez. So, yeah, we're going to get to know these young guys because if, if they're really being honest with us and they just really think they have a ton of youth and a ton of young talent, then you got to know when to cut the cord with Bradley Zimmer and maybe Oscar Mercado and give these young guys a shot. Especially Quan, man. Especially Stephen Quan. We are going to get into him. All right. So, hey, if you are enjoying the show out there, please help it grow by leaving a rating and review on whatever app you are listening on. We are an all five star review podcast on Apple Podcasts, but we've been stuck at 14 reviews for a really long time. So, jump on there, throw up some five stars, write a quick little blurb, let people know about the show and help it grow. Let them know how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. All right, let's get into the week. Let's get into some of these uh, names we have to talk about here. Um, We have been adding to the bullpen quietly. Uh, We added a guy, uh, Jake Jewell. We've also added this guy, Gibbot. I have no idea how to say his name. He pitched yesterday against San Francisco, Ian Gibbot. Uh, so we have been adding a few names of guys that have bounced around. Um, and then we add Brian Shaw back. So the bullpen is the one area where we're like, okay, there's literally no reason not to spend in the bullpen. At least like we get, you don't want to block a Gabriel Arias or a Steven Kwan, but I mean the bullpen, come on, that's, that's prime spot to be adding some veteran talent. So we do add a couple of names. I mean, this guy has pitched for Gibbot, has pitched for Texas, he's pitched for Minnesota, um, he's pitched for Tampa Bay, so he's bounced around. It hasn't really worked anywhere. Uh, same thing with this Jewel guy. He's bounced around. Uh, Jake Jewel, he's 28 years old. He's bounced around with, as the page is loading, he's bounced around with uh, the LA Angels and the Chicago Cubs last year. It hasn't gone well anywhere for him in the major league so far. Uh, Big, big ERA number there. Uh, But both these guys come in, they pitch at the end of the game yesterday against San Francisco, and they both strike out the side. So, I don't know. Has being being with Carl Willis for a week changed these guys that much that they suddenly come and strike out the side? Or were they facing like double-A and single-A hitters and just went out and dominated them in the eighth and ninth inning? of a blowout spring training game. I don't know. But we do add Brian Shaw back to the bullpen. And look, I know. I know Brian Shaw. I know your feelings on Brian Shaw, right? He's one of Terry Francona's favorite guys. He pitches in every situation, every game. He led the league in appearances last year. Um, But the thing about Brian Shaw is he's still kind of effective. He's still kind of effective. I mean, he had quite the bounce back season in Cleveland last year. Frankly, I'm shocked that he was still available. Uh, 71 strikeouts, uh, tied for third best in his career. Um, His strikeouts per nine innings were back up at 8.3. That's better than some of the seasons he had in the early 20-teens when he was with Cleveland and dominating. Um, So he had a decently effective season. The problem was walks. He walked more guys than he had ever walked in his career. He had 38 walks last year to 71 strikeouts. Now, 
So it means the strikeout to walk ratio is a little bit down from his best years here in Cleveland. But it was still a respectable season as when it comes to whip. It was still a respectable season when it comes to ERA, which was at 3.49. His ERA plus, when you set it to league average at 100, his ERA plus was at 126. So he was at a well above league average relief pitcher last year. And with the mix of the bullpen, with how young the bullpen is, it makes sense to bring a veteran back in. And why not Terry Francona's favorite bearded flamethrower in the bullpen, Brian Shaw? So Brian Shaw is back. And now, yeah, the bullpen has a little bit more shape to it. You kind of understand what the bullpen's going to be. Trevor Steffen has actually been pitching really well. He came in after Savali in this San Francisco game and pitched a clean inning, gave up a hit. But no runs, no walks, no strikeouts either. Um, so Trevor Steffen is looking good. De Los Santos came in after him and actually struck out the side. They give up a hit, but struck out the side. It'll be interesting to see if he can break through with his bullpen. De Los Santos, another guy that bounced around, a guy we got before the lockout went, went down. So the bullpen is starting to take shape behind Classe, behind Karinczak and Ghost and Sandlin. You're starting to see where this thing might line up. Now, some other things about this bullpen and getting into the games this week is that Logan Allen and Sam Hedges got blown up. This week, where we left off um, after those first two games, last time we talked was on Sunday. They go 9-9 in a game against Oakland on Sunday. Um, McCarty pitched that game, started that game, gave up a bunch of hits, um, gave up some unearned runs. None of the actual... Guardians pitchers got in yet until the 21st against Texas, and my God, did they get blown up. Logan Allen gives up four runs uh, in an inning pitched. Henches comes in two innings later, and only a third of an inning gives up four hits, five runs, two home runs from Henches. So he really got blown up against Texas. He would get the pitch later in the week and do a little bit better, but man, there is still something wrong something missing with Sam Henches and you know we just got the announcement that Andrew Miller was retiring and everybody on Twitter was giving well wishes and you know kind of reminiscing looking at the highlights I tweeted out you know one of those video packages that was out there of the highlights of Andrew Miller mowing down people in the 2016 playoffs and you forget how dominant he was with that hard fastball and that sharp slider And if I'm Sam Henches and I'm the Guardians pitching coaches, I'm saying, look at this tape right here. Look at what this guy, Andrew Miller, did. Look how he made himself maybe not the greatest pitcher of all time, right? Not the greatest starter of all time, but he made himself one of the most valuable pitchers of the mid-20-teens, right? He made himself one of the most dominant men on the mound, even if it was just for an inning. Even if it was just for an inning anywhere in the game, right? Sixth inning, you need to protect a lead. Here comes Andrew Miller. Eighth inning to set up Cody Allen. Here comes Andrew Miller. And he did it by attacking with that fastball and just burying that slider. Well, that's not what Henches is doing. Man, he is leaving that curveball and slider right down the pipe for them to crank home runs off of. So if I were, you know, look at the mechanics of Andrew Miller. What can you pick up from that? What can you do to your slider to make it even somewhat close to effective? Because the physical tools are there for Henches. The physical tools are definitely there. And if he ever puts it together, I mean, look out. Could be one of the most 
dominant lefties out of the bullpen. I want it to work. I really do want it to work for him. But so far uh, this spring, it is not going well. So yeah, an insane game against Texas where we lose 25 to 12. Almost makes you wish there was a run rule in spring training, right? That is insanity. Then we bounce back. We beat San Diego in a pretty good game. Uh, Plesak got the start in this one. Did get hit around a little bit, but still had four strikeouts over two innings. Uh, Trevor Steffen would follow that up with a clean inning with a strikeout. And then McKenzie would come in. Uh, Tristan McKenzie would come in. Two innings pitched against the Padres. Three strikeouts over two innings. Looked really good. Looked really good in his first outing of the spring. De Los Santos would follow that up. He would pitch a nice, uh, he would give up one hit, but two strikeouts, no runs given up there. And we'd beat San Diego 6-1. to one. We are going to talk about the hitting, don't worry. Um, then we'd lose to the Dodgers. This was a battle between Shane Bieber, not a battle, but I mean it's spring training. But it was Bieber against Kershaw. It was two aces going up against each other. And frankly, Kershaw looked a little bit sharper. They both actually gave up a lot of runs. Bieber gives up four runs in an inning and a third Three hits, two of them were home runs. That's a little bit troubling. You want to talk about meatballs. Bieber did leave some breaking balls over the middle of the plate. He he dropped a few over the middle of the plate, and they got hit for home runs. Now, Kershaw went two and a third. He would give up two runs on two hits. No home runs from him, but he did strike out four guardians. As much as I want to give Bieber the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, it's spring training. It's his first appearance. It doesn't matter what happens as long as he's out there and feeling healthy. Kershaw was on the other side striking out four guardians. So um, his breaking balls, even though it's Arizona, his breaking balls looked okay. So we'll see what Bieber does as he bounces back in his next start. Uh, Eli Morgan got the pitch in this one. Uh, he gave up two hits over two innings with two strikeouts. Eli Morgan is going to be an important part to begin this season, depending, I think they might be starting the season at 28-man rosters, 29, 30-man rosters, something like that. They are going to start the season with a little bit of expanded rosters, which means a guy like Eli Morgan could be there to piggyback off of a starter that only goes three innings, four innings, or something like that. Um, so that will be key. We then lose to Seattle. You want to talk about looking sharp. Seattle Mariners... Uh, pitcher Logan Gilbert, three innings pitched. He did give up a solo home run, but six strikeouts over three innings. He was mowing down Guardians hitters in this game. He looked really sharp. Remember, he made his uh, Major League debut against us last season. Uh, the Guardians did keep it in the game. Uh, they did have a 2-1 lead for a long time. Quantrill looked really sharp in two innings pitched. Uh, no hits, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout for Quantrill. Henches would follow him up in that, that game. He did get, give up three hits, but he had two strikeouts. Didn't give up any home runs this time. Uh, so a little bit better for Henches, but still not great. Not great giving up all those hits. And then the San Francisco game where we win 10-2. to two. Uh, Pitching in this one for the Guardians was Savali. He did get hit around a little bit. He went three innings, so he went a little bit longer. Gave up three hits and two runs. A walk, two strikeouts, and a home run given up. I believe those two runs we're on a home run to Yastrzemski, which still feels weird to say. I mean, you think of Yastrzemski as one of these legendary old players. Nope. There's another generation coming along, just like the Guerreros and uh, the Tatises. And uh, man, baseball really is a generational game. 
All right, so that was kind of the week for your Guardians. On the offensive side of things, um, because these box scores get insane with all the replacement players that come in, uh, the guys really having a good spring so far to kick things off. Yu Chang is leading the team in extra base hits. Four extra base hits for Chang. Um, he is batting 462, 500 on base, 1,077 slugging, good for a 1.577 OPS. Uh, he is really doing a fantastic job. Two home runs, the only person to scratch across two home runs, and leading the team with eight RBIs. Ernie Clement is right behind him. Uh, he does have one more hit than Chang. He's up to seven hits. He's hitting 583 this spring with seven RBIs. Um, a one five three eight OPS. So Clement is having himself a nice little spring. And then Oscar Gonzalez, a guy we're going to talk about in a second, he's hitting three thirty three with a one 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 three five OPS. Uh, he's got himself six RBIs. Uh, he was also up there. Him and Ernie Clement both have three extra base hits. Uh, Daniel Johnson has got himself a couple extra base hits. Mercado's got himself a couple of ba- extra base hits. Owen Miller who got MVP on the offensive side last week uh, for the first two games, has a couple of extra base hits. I think Gabriel Rodriguez is not a guy we're going to see in Cleveland. He's only at three at-bats, but two of them are extra base hits. So good job out of you. Um, so, yeah, the uh, those are the guys that are kind of stepping up offensively. Uh, Gabriel Arias also has six hits. He's hitting 545. I, it's going to be tough. It's tough. Arias is clearly showing that he is ready to be there, that he is ready to be there on the major league roster. But it's not like Chang and Ernie Clement are saying that they need to regress and like go back to AAA or anything. I mean, Chang is really making a push to be in the lineup every day, whether it's first base, second base, third base when Jose Ramirez DHs. Um, I know people were a little bit concerned about his defense over a third base. But uh, and that's what you have Ernie Clement for, too. So these guys are really making a push to uh, to be there. It's not like Owen Miller is slowing down. He's got five hits in the spring. Uh, Andres Jimenez has four hits. I, it's honest to God, where are you going to find room for all these guys? You know, one of the plans was to let um, Ahmed Rosario play left field. I, I don't think Ahmed Rosario has played any left field this spring. I, so they better get him out there. I mean, you got to start getting him those reps. What are you waiting for? Unless he's playing on, you know, the B fields and the minor league games and he's getting some reps out there in left field. I haven't heard that. So if the plan is really to get Amon Rosario some reps in left field so that you could get more of these middle infielders out of the roster, when's it going to happen? Because these guys are all hitting. They are. I mean, Clement, he's, he's not... He, and uh, Owen Miller, these guys aren't slowing down. You thought they would get passed by by a Gabriel Arias, and it's just not happening. They're, they're out there just lining up the base hits this spring. So I don't know what Chernoff and Antonetti and Tito are going to do to fit all these middle infielders onto the roster. I mean, this is where you say guys like Zimmer have to be expendable. And they've got to find ways to get... I mean, don't forget, Josh Naylor is coming back, too. He might not. To make room, they're probably going to keep Naylor on the IL. I wouldn't be shocked if they keep Naylor on the IL to start the season, just to keep room on the roster, to figure out this this roster going forward. 
So yeah, so uh, it's been an interesting spring, uh, and it seems like the uh, Guardians infielders are the ones really delivering this spring. So MVP for the week on offense, I'm giving it up to Yu Chang. I mean, he's got the two home runs, he's got the extra base hits, he's leading the team in RBIs. How can you deny it? Chang is having himself a really really good spring so far and I hope he keeps it rolling right into the season wouldn't it be great if he goes out there and just plays every day in April and just keeps it going right you know makes himself makes himself a good five six hitter right fifth or sixth spot in the lineup on this team that would be fantastic that would offer some great protection uh behind Jose Ramirez and behind Fermil Reyes in this lineup if you got to worry about Chang back there um, so yeah, so let's see him keep it going. MVP for the week goes to Chang on the pitching side of things. Uh, you know, I think Tristan McKenzie, he only had one appearance and maybe Cal Quantrill, maybe we'll give it a tie Quantrill and McKenzie. Both of them had really, really solid first appearances this spring. And I'm sure McKenzie is probably in line to pitch in the next day or two. So we'll get another opportunity to look at it, but uh, yeah, seems like he's really settled into doing what he does, not trying to overthrow, not trying to blow up the radar gun, and instead letting his arm action and his length on the mound, right? The length of his arms, the length of his legs makes a difference. It makes the ball seem like it's exploding a couple mile, miles per hour faster. So, McKenzie and Quantrill, I'm going to let those guys share MVP for the week on the pitching side of things. All right. The thing I wanted to talk to you about today, and uh, the reason I'm jumping on here on Saturday instead of Sunday is because I did my research and I'm ready to go. I am ready to talk about Stephen Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez. Now, Kwan is a guy who uh, we drafted in the fifth round of the 2018 draft, uh, overall 163, and he had finally cracked his way through. Um, just like everybody else, all these guys who were drafted in the last three or four years, all have weird paths through the minors because of the 2020 season, because there was no minor league season in 2020. But he uh, he was at AAA last season, and he really, really made an impression. Really made an impression with the scouts and made an impression on the field with the stats. This is a guy that last season split between AA and AAA, had more walks than strikeouts. Total for the season split between AA and AAA. He had 36 walks to 31 strikeouts. That is incredible. That is the kind of leadoff hitter you want. His on-base percentage at AA was 411. At AAA was 398. Uh, keeping it going, a 539 slugging, a 505 slugging at Triple A. His OPS split between the two levels: a 950 OPS at Double A, a 903 OPS at Triple A. This guy can hit. So he came from the Bay Area. He uh, was a huge star in high school, and ends up going to Oregon State to play his college ball. Now at Oregon State, he struggles a little bit in his first year there. And he said that, uh, you know, it was big. Going to a big baseball school like that was intimidating. And, I, you know, for those of you from Ohio, it would be like going and playing football at Ohio State. Like, it's, it is life out there. Baseball is life out there. 
and it was a lot of pressure, and he felt it his first year. Says that he actually worked with a sports psychologist there at the school and got really into meditation. Said that the a couple of guys on the team, they got really into meditation. One of the hitting coaches for Oregon State would lead them through meditation and really centered himself, basically, and got control over the mental side of the game and was wildly successful uh, for Oregon State, winning Pac-12 honors for the rest of his career and ends up getting drafted in the fifth round by Cleveland. So he just tears his way through everything, through rookie ball, through the A-levels, and now into double-A and triple-A. Um, his uh, OPS, uh, he struggled a little bit at high A, but he's had an eight or 900 OPS for most of his career in the minors. Um, he's hit, his lowest batting average was 280 of the three seasons he's played in minor league baseball. His lowest batting average was 280. That was the season he was struggling in. His batting average was 280. I mean, this guy's on base percentage usually is over 400. He's a smaller guy. He's five foot nine, really fast in the outfield. You've already seen him in spring training make a couple of great catches, slamming into the wall out there in center field. Um, this guy could be, could be our Jose Altuve. I mean, honest to God, this guy could be challenging for a batting title at some point in his career. He's that good of a hitter. He's that good at finding the gaps, at being an on-base guy. Um, he does tend to pull the ball. I was reading in an article that he worked on having a more of an upright stance so he could pull the ball. Uh, 44% uh, last year. It was 40%, 44%. It's split between AA and AAA as far as pulling the ball goes. But he did go to the opposite field 36% of the time in AA and 33% of the time in AAA. So he's not afraid to go opposite way uh, if that's what the pitch dictates. Now, let's talk about the grades here, the prospect grades. He is graded at a 70 hit right now with the potential for an 80 hit. And that is a huge deal as far as the world of prospect rankings go and fan graphs and everything like that. The people at fan graphs who, who put this prospect report out, they're like, we do not lightly give out the number 80. Remember, this is a 20 to 80 grading scale. So 80 is max. That's, that's El Tuve, basically. Uh, they do not give out this grade lightly. And so the fact that he is a 70 hit tool with the potential for an 80, that's big. That's big. The power is low, but that's okay. He did have a couple of home runs. I mean, he had uh, seven home runs at AA and five at AAA. So, I mean, he did have 12 home runs split between the two uh, levels, and and that's only in 340-ish plate appearances. So, I mean, could he be a 20-home run guy and have that high of an average? That'd be fantastic. The speed is up there. They've got him at a 60-grade speed. And the fielding is a 55 with a 60 potential. So they really see him as a fast, well-hitting outfielder that plays tremendous defense. I mean, that is a hell of a scouting report right there for Stephen Kwan. And that is why you keep seeing, you know, all these articles and things about him. Why people, you know, the beat reporters and stuff like that are predicting that he can make the opening day roster. Because... The hit tool is that good, and that's exactly what this team needs. Exactly what this team needs. I mean, they're, with the way Zimmer is hitting right now, 
if Bradley Zimmer were to win a spot over Stephen Kwan on the opening day roster, my God, you would have every right to head down to progressive field with your pitchforks and demand that Dolans get the heck out of town because those are the kind of decisions that we cannot stand as a fan base. That's how you know that the front office is out of touch. If someone like Zimmer is going to earn an opening day spot over Stephen Kwan, who right now in these spring training games is showing that he belongs, is showing that he can compete and belongs at the major league level. So, yeah, I understand why everybody wants him to win the left field job and uh, be out there opening day. I mean, the outfield of Quan and Straw and whoever you put in right field, I mean, you're not going to be able to get anything down in left and center field. Those guys will run down everything out there. That'll be fantastic. I mean, it, we could get to a point where Quan actually might take over the leadoff spot in the roster. As good as Straw's been, Straw actually said in an interview, I heard him say in one of these like little segments they do in a spring game, that he loves hitting with people on base. It really like changes something his mentality, and he thrives when men are on base. So maybe Straw does get moved down the lineup a little bit and uh, into a more of an RBI position, and Quan could take over his leadoff. That could totally happen this season. So there's Stephen Kwan for you, a guy to be really excited about and a guy that could break through for opening day. The other name you got to know, because this outfield is so in flux, it's such a mystery what they could do, is Oscar Gonzalez. Now, there was much less information out there on the internet about Oscar Gonzalez. He was born in the Dominican Republic. He was one of those international... Uh, free agent signings that the Guardians are so, the Cleveland franchise has been so good at doing. I mean, comes in and plays uh, Dominican Summer League at 17 years old for the Guardians. Uh, at 18 years old, he's playing at Mahoning Valley in the New York Penn League for the Cleveland franchise. So this is another one of these guys, one of these international guys, one of these Latin American guys that starts very young in his career, right? The path that Jose Ramirez took. And has been playing in the system since 2015. Now, uh, because of the 40-man roster crunch and everything like that and how long he's been in the system, we actually had to basically release him this fall. And nobody claimed him, even though he led the minor leagues in home runs last year, or led the Cleveland minor leagues in home runs last year with 31 home runs and 83 RBIs. Had 140 hits, 293 batting average, 871 OPS. Great number split between AA and AAA last year. And we had to release him. They didn't want to protect him on the 40-man roster. And so he somehow passes through all that. And we're able to re-sign him back to our minor league team. So we, in the end, we're able to hang on to him. But... I'm not sure how. Everybody thought this guy was going to be as good as gone in the Rule 5 draft, and the Rule 5 draft doesn't happen. So Oscar Gonzalez sticks around with Cleveland, and frankly, he's another guy who's probably ready, maybe a little more seasoning at Columbus. But this spring, I mean, he's out there hitting. Like I said, he's up there in extra base hits with the rest of the guys. Uh, He has two doubles. He has a home run. He's got six RBIs. He's only struck out twice. He's hitting 333 with a 1-1-3-5 OPS this spring. He's given you way more production than Bradley Zimmer is. 
So if you really believe this is a youth movement, then maybe it's Oscar Gonzalez's turn. The power is definitely there. A little bit different than Stephen Kwan. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't have prospect grades. Fangraphs doesn't have any grades on this guy. He hasn't appeared on uh, the MLB's ranking of top 30 prospects for the Guardians. And frankly, uh, everything that might have a scouting report on him is behind a paywall. So I, I really don't know uh, what the Major League Baseball world thinks of this guy other than he might be just this big sleeper in the Guardians farm system. And it might be Oscar Gonzalez's time to shine and show that maybe he is the next power hitting. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a power hitting outfielder, right? Make it in Cleveland. I mean, like Bell and Ramirez were the last two guys to come up and really make it in Cleveland. Yeah, there were the Brian Giles and the Jeremy Bernitzes of the world, but they, they didn't really make it in Cleveland. They went other places and had success. Uh, you know, Grady Sizemore, but I mean, the power is almost secondary to his game, right? The speed was Grady Sizemore's thing. So, yeah, Michael Brantley was more of a contact hitter. The power came eventually. But it's been a long time since we've had just a thumper come up and play in our outfield. So, Oscar Gonzalez is another guy who I want to see make this opening day roster over a Bradley Zimmer. I want to see him out there in that outfield mix. I want to see what this guy can do. So we will see if either Gonzalez or Steven Kwan breaks through with the Major League team. I think the potential for both these guys is sky high. And if these guys make the opening day roster, then I understand why you don't sign a Jock Peterson, why you don't sign a Conforto. If these guys make the opening day roster. If they don't, if both these guys start the season at AAA, then you have no excuse as a front office why you didn't go out there and get a major league ready outfielder for this team because they need it. They need help in the outfield. That's the area where they need help. Valera, George Valera is another name you've probably heard a lot. It seems like he is struggling a little bit this this spring. He's up there in strikeouts. Um, he's not handling the major league pitching. He's got one hit and nine at bats. He's hitting 111. He's got five strikeouts. So Valera might need a little more seasoning at AAA. Same with Will Benson, who's uh, got four strikeouts, no hits so far this spring. He scored two runs on three walks, but no hits so far this spring for Will Benson. So yeah, the outfield the outfield is ready for a Stephen Kwan and an Oscar Gonzalez. That's my hopes. All right. Enjoy spring training baseball. I believe we have some televised games coming up this weekend. And this season is going to be here before you know it. And these decisions, these roster decisions, are going to be here before you know it. I mean, when we sit down to talk next weekend, the roster, the opening day roster, might be taking shape. Remember, they, you know, they'll start sending guys down to minor league camp if they're not going to make it with the opening day roster because these guys, these position players, got to get reps and they got to get a feel for what the lineup is going to be. I think we all have a feel for what one through four is going to be, right? Uh, Amon Rosario, depending on if it's a lefty or a right-handed starting pitcher, might move up and down the lineup a little bit. But, I mean, it's probably going to be Straw, Rosario, Ramirez, Fermil Reyes, one through four. 
Do you go with a Bobby Bradley or a Yu Chang at five? Who's hitting six on this team? Is it Zimmer or Mercado? That would be a disaster. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how this shakes out over the next week. What they do about those middle... And, you know, is there room for Ernie Clement? The guy, the guy is hitting. The guy is absolutely hitting right now. How could you not find room for him? So, lots of decisions to be made. And I think spring's going to be over before we know it. Even though it was snowing in Cleveland this morning, as I'm recording this podcast, uh, spring's going to be over really fast. And we're going to be in Kansas City to start the season before you know it. All right. That is all my thoughts on this Saturday morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. As things come up throughout the week, if we go find another veteran bullpen arm or they make a decision, they cut someone like a Zimmer or Mercado, hit me up on email. Let me know your thoughts. Come on. We'll discuss it on the show. ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.